0: Welcome to the High Vibe Tribe podcast with me, your host, Dawn Owen. I'm a wife, a mom, and an entrepreneur, a speaker, a zero BS coach, and a lover of the high vibe life. I help business leaders like you create huge breakthroughs in their life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and impact you want and deserve. In this podcast, you will hear me talk all about mindset, money, and magic. The power trio that I know will get you where you want to go fast. This is the High Five Tribe podcast. So let's get through it and introduce my guest for today. So she's a multi, multi, I tell you, award-winning co-founder of the business that she runs with her husband. Now I'm not gonna tell you what the business is, because I think it's it's quite an unusual one. So I'm gonna leave her to tell you about that as we go along. So my guest today is Nicola threat Gold. Welcome, Nicola.
1: Hi, Don. Thank you for having me. Oh, welcome, you're
0: welcome. So Anyone who's been with us for some time on the High Vibe podcast will know. I always start the interviews off by asking my guests, how high is your vibe today on a scale of one to 10?
1: I would say I'm at nine today.
0: Oh, nine? Oh, that's high. Tell us why you were nine.
1: Um, well, there's a lot going on in the business. Yeah. Uh, we're doing, we're rapidly expanding. So that's all brilliant. We're doing a recruitment process at the moment. We always have a fabulous time when we do our. We spoke recruitment and last Saturday I sat for the full day sifting through five hundred applications. So we always yeah. have an amazing response. So yeah, things are really good. The business is busy and yeah.
0: All is good. I'm telling you, if you have the secret to keeping your vibe at a nine out of ten sifting through five hundred recruitment things, then I think you should bottle it and sell it. I had a few tonics afterwards. Oh, well that's also the way forward. Yeah, for sure. So I'd love you to tell our listeners cause we have mentioned the business a few times. So, you know, lots of people I have here, I always say to people, mm, there's not much new out there. We're all doing something that somebody else is doing. And it's not that yours is different, but I just think I've certainly never interviewed anyone in this t- kind of business. And I think in the, most of the people that you meet when we go networking, I think I've only ever met one other person who does what you do. So we just got to tell them now because we're building it up, aren't we? So, okay. Tell us what your business is, Nicola.
1: Okay. So thanks for the build up, Dawn. Our business is, we <laughs> yeah, are Funeral directors. Wow. Um, we are based in, currently in North Lincolnshire. Yeah. We currently have three funeral homes. Yeah, we are also looking to open five, six, and seven very rapidly. One being in North East Lincolnshire, so we're going in a totally different direction. Okay. It isn't just me that owns the funeral home; I do co this with my husband, and we have been in business with that funeral home for nine and a half years now. Um,
0: okay, excellent. So, all of that brings with it some challenges, which I'll I'll touch on in a bit. Not least. Working with your husband and not here, so we can say what we like about them.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, we, I'd like to think he would say the same, but I absolutely love working with my husband. Yeah, I think nine and a half years when we started, I would say there's probably been two twice to when we've actually had words. Okay. Um, it was in the beginning when he had to sort of realise that he was now working with his wife and not just working with, general people and so there was twice i believe in the whole of the nine and a half years where i've actually said to him did you really speak to me like that <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah but other than that we get on really well i mean jason came and he is the funeral director or he was i mean he's done yeah. that now because we are working more on our business but he was initially the funeral director so he if he was out and about i would be in the office doing the the, the the office side of things, the policies, the recruiting. So a lot of the time we didn't see each other. I guess over the last couple of years where we're now working more in our, on our business, things have changed, the dynamics have changed, where we are together a bit more because we're, we're looking at the expansion, we're looking at our strategy, we we're meeting up more to discuss what we're doing and looking at properties together, but, but that seems to work as well. So yeah, I, I do. I I really enjoy working with them and we do both bring something very different to the table.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So I work with my husband as well and we, we, you know, we work from home, We've but we've got different offices at home. And I think for him, it was a big change. He was a police officer, formerly. And so when he first started working at home, I, I would get really irritated because he would just keep coming and interrupt What are you doing? Well, you know, the same thing I was doing 20 minutes ago when you interrupted me, you know, do you want a drink? Do you want this? But now, after what, four, four and a bit years, we've kind of settled into something. And I have to say, I love it as well. Sometimes, I'd love to know how you handle this because we, as I say, we, we are in the same space most of the time. How you... Not so much separate, you know, what's home and what's business, but like for us, I think it's putting that formal side of the business forward. So often we'll, for instance, be walking the dog and we'll start talking about business as you do. And I've not got a problem with that, but then we might have an idea or somebody might say, oh yeah, I'll do that. And because you're not in that formal setting of a meeting, like you might have with the rest of your team, it sometimes slips through the cracks. How do you kind of, does that happen with you and how do you deal with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was before I answered that question, I was actually going to say as well, I think being husband and wife in the business we are works really well in supporting each other. You know, we, we can come home and we can reflect on certain families that we've helped, yeah. certain phone calls we've had where people have been in distress. Uh-huh. So I think, you know, being husband and wife, that's really helped over the years for both to understand. You know, and be supportive of each other. Where see, you know, we're only human and natural at the end of the day. You know, things yeah. do get to us as well. So that's been an advantage. But for separating things, I think that's really hard for us. I think because we do talk about in business a lot, and there's been so much going on, certainly over the last two years, as I mentioned, and the expansion, you know, I guess there is a lot of, we do talk a lot about work stuff. Yeah, Uh, I think we both need to learn maybe a little bit how we do separate things a bit more, certainly a learning process for us. But we do a lot of planning. We do, in our three-month planning, we do have personal goals. Okay. We try and achieve those in terms of taking time out and not trying to discuss business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, it's our baby. And, you know, just recently been on holiday and I always take a a notebook that I call my holiday book. Yep. I laid on the sunbed and I kind of think
0: not oh, could do that so it goes in the notebook. I am so glad to hear this. Oh, I am that person. And yeah. I remember when I was on Honeymoon of All Places and I'm looking around this beautiful place and I'm like, no one else has a notebook and pen. But yeah, the ideas come to me, I think, when you switch off from the day to day. And you know, on that thing of the kind of not separation but like okay this is the personal time we're not going to talk about it if it is your baby and you're so into it like you are like we are actually, yeah. you know it's just like talking about your kids or something really it's you, yeah. you know i think stopping it would be more stressful to me than yeah. you know carrying on yeah and i think you know like most business people you speak to that they're passionate
1: about their business so you do see it as the norm really don't you yeah, um, yeah. It is part of your day-to-day life and, you know, your existence in a, in a way. Yeah. And, you know, we have a really passionate about what we do. Like I say, it's very niche in the fact that we are always looking to help people. You know, we answer emails that have been directed
0: to us on holiday because it's mm-hmm. families that need certain advice, you know. So yeah. we are
1: very much 24 7
0: Yeah, I can, I can see that, actually, because obviously you, not you personally, I'm assuming, but, you know, you do take those calls at all hours of the day and night. And something you said earlier as well about families in distress and I'd written down, it's like almost the ultimate customer service. And it's not just that the service that you're providing, but if all of that support, because I'm guessing, you know, like I lost my mom several years ago and I'm thinking what I was like when I went to the funeral directors and I would imagine it takes a very special kind of person no, I'm just thinking now, you know, almost like a, like coaching skills, you really need some people skills to be able to help people through that difficult time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we never profess to be counsellors because we're not, we're not trained in that. But, I mean, we have an amazing team of 17 staff members. And, you know, what we say to them when we recruit is just be yourself with people because everybody comes with with different Somebody, you know, some people are very much sure, want to see it as, as a celebration of life, some people like to say, very distraught. So it's gauging how these people are going to be, and sometimes it's about for us not saying too much, it's about listening. Yeah, you know, people want to upload, so yeah, there's lots of different traits, but we meet some amazing, fantastic people, and it's just brilliant to be able to help them through that journey. Sometimes, you know to the funeral, we, we may see somebody for a few weeks afterwards and then they sort of drift away from us. But we won't see those people again. There's others that staying with us for a long time, you know, they keep popping in to see us. So yeah, you, you know, we have to have many hats if you like, to be able to deal with the different circumstances when somebody's is lost and bothered.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned at the beginning, you know, your expansion. And again, you know, that comes with its own issues. And you also mentioned about kind of moving geographically a little bit further away from where you are now. And that's something that, you know, I have experience of thousands of years ago in our family business. How is that? I know that's not open yet. I don't think is it, but you know, are you, how are you kind of adjusting for that? Because it's putting in a geographic distance Put an added pressure on. And also, you know, I know you've got, is it three already that you've got or four? It's three, right. Yeah. And replicating that and getting the team to do that, like you say, you're recruiting. You know, talk to me a bit about that and how you find that and what are the challenges with that. Okay. So we initially set
1: up our main office in Sulthorpe in North Lincolnshire. And that is our main head office. It's quite a large building, it houses all the vehicles and everything. From there, we quickly opened up one, which is about half an hour away, which is our Barton office, which is a lot smaller. And then when it came to opening Brig, which was what we did last May, we we looked at things that in a little bit of a different way, we started to put a lot of processes and systems in place so that when we recruit, we've got, got a business development plan to give to people. It's got all the processes in place and all the systems that we use which I think has then made us feel more confident to go into a different area because what we can now do is take all of those systems and processes with us because everything will work exactly the same. So it's just about getting the people in which we're, and we're recruiting locally. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that system will work. So this will be the test, but as we're very confident that it's going to work. And I think really, you know, if, if you've got those systems in place, then it can work anywhere.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think everything is about system, process, habits, whatever you want to call them. And I'm not naturally a person who is drawn to that. I'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of girl. But I think a lot of people listening will be surprised to hear me say that because I'm known for my structure, my planning, my routine, and that kind of thing. And that's because around, probably around six or seven years ago now, I was at a conference in America and somebody said to me this phrase, structure creates freedom. Yeah. And that really landed with me and I've taken it with me ever since. And even though, you know, I like to think I'm a, you know, like a bagless Hoover and throw everything out. I know that things work best with a structure or a routine. And I think that's never more so than in business. So, yeah, being able to pick that up and replicate it. And you said earlier on there about being able to provide new recruits with that, I think is great because it kind of shows who you are and what you're about right from the beginning. And, you know, almost if you've got a, you know, a one sheet, I used to call it, that is like, this is how you do this. It makes it so much easier for training as well as recruitment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And when we
1: started looking at, putting systems and processes in place, I said to us, oh gosh, you know, are you going to have time to write all those? Well, to be honest, we haven't haven't written any of them. We did, So we sat down with the team we currently had and we asked them to write the processes for their job roles. Then as we've brought new people in, it's been part of their induction where we thought, oh my goodness, we haven't got a system or a process for them. So we've asked them to write it, which is then sort of, I guess, prove to us that they've all that. Yes. Well, between us, we have not wrote any of the systems and processes because the team have done it. So they're coming straight from the team.
0: Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I've got a question for you. In fact, I've got a couple of questions for you. Have you ever had a moment when you suddenly felt everything shift or everything just became clearer and you knew that everything had just changed for you? Well, I have several times and I love, love, love that feeling. And I've got to thinking, most of those times have happened at live in-person events. There's just something about the power of being with like-minded people who are looking for similar outcomes to you and I don't know, just the all-round energy created that just leads to epic transformation. And that's what we're creating for you at High Vibe Live on June the 25th at Hogarth Hotel, Sully Hall. It's an event that's filled with expansive and informative content that leaves you feeling braver than ever, ready to stretch your abilities further than ever, and trust in what you are doing more than ever. Are you available for all of that does that make you feel fired up then you need to join us on june the 25th to experience high vibe live for yourself tickets are still available they're under 100 pounds for the day and you can even spread the payment over three months if you're quick so don't miss this opportunity to experience your own moment your transformation starts the moment you say hell yes i am in Drop us an email at team at dawnewing.com and we will get you sorted. Now back to the podcast. You know, I think that's that's a great way to do it because I also think in a lot of businesses, particularly family businesses, it's all up here, I'm pointing to my to listeners. It's all up here and it's like, well, Dawn knows what she's doing. Oh, and Nico knows how to do that. And, you know, Peter knows how to do that. And it's like, well, that's great. But what about when that person isn't there? And if you are building a scalable business for the future, it needs to operate with, you know, taking one person out. It shouldn't be like a buckaroo, show my age there. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. But, you know, it shouldn't be the, oh, kaplan. I used to love that. Shouldn't be the thing that, you know, collapses it all, should it? No, and I
1: think I've learned that again over the last year. Yeah, I can, you know, Jason and I can have all this information in our heads, but that is of no use now. We're expanding. We have to share that information out, and that's what we're doing now. So that, you know, the the team can run without us. And I think just going on a few short holidays over the last few years has proved that actually, yes, it's running. We're not there. They're running
0: very confident in, in what they do. So, yeah, it, it's proven to be amazing. That's the biggest compliment, I think, because there was a time when before I was in business for myself as well, when I was, you know, like a key person in someone else's business yeah. when I was much younger and probably had a much bigger ego as well. But I used to think it was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be able to take a day off because that shows how wonderful I am, how brilliant I am, how valuable I am to the business. And, you know, if I did take a day off, it would be like, oh, you know, people have got to call me and everything all the time. And it wasn't until, you know, I started to learn about people and things that I thought, that's just actually shit. (laughs) It means you're not very good because actually your people can't function without you or even worse. They don't feel empowered to function without you, which I think is actually worse.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know we've we, we sometimes sort of laughed with the team as well, where they've, they've come up and said, they've asked us a question, and we've said, what would you do if we weren't here? And they've said, well, we would do Samson. And you say, well, that's the right answer then anyway, so why yeah. don't we do it? It's you yes. because you're here and you're like a comfort blanket, whereas yeah, now that us not being there, they, they would make the right choices. Yeah. To be honest, if they didn't, we would support them. It's not the, the end, end of the world, world is it?
0: Yeah. You know? Well, rarely are they going to make a decision that's actually going to take down the business, you know, in yeah. such a short space of time, because actually they, they would pick the phone up probably. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's great when people feel empowered in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think, you know, we try and create that vibe as well in our business that, you know, Jason and I are not here to basically say, do this, right? When you have done that, let's do this. We could pre range We allow them to be their own managers within their own space and to make those decisions from the training and support that they've had so that that does empower them. We're trusting them and hopefully we're inspiring them to be the best people they want to be.
0: I love that. Sounds like brilliant, boss. I might come and work for you. Sounds lovely. Before we, I want to go back. I normally go backwards and then come up to date, but I've done it differently with you. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is, the biggest misconception about your industry
1: i think probably people would say the expense
0: oh mm. okay yeah or the customer coming in or
1: yeah yeah i so, think you know we're an independent funeral directors so obviously it's run by husband and wife but there are a lot of nationals out there and you know they have bigger overheads than what we do so yeah i mean in terms of Value for money, you know, we are very confident in our pricing and the quality of what you get. It's not just a case of completing a funeral and forgetting about that person. We give a lot of chair and support where we channel. We we can sign posts to different areas if we feel people are struggling. We can look for grants. We've done a whole load of work on grants for people, you know, because not everybody can afford a funeral. When we make it really basic for them, you know. In today's society, with living costs and things, and people who don't expect a family member to, to die, because unfortunately, people don't always die at an older age. Yeah. You know, so we're always sort of constantly looking for grants for people and, you know, places where we can get money and help them as well. And so we try and give that whole
0: round support, if you like, to help as many people as we can. Okay. So I always think this is interesting because, you know, we meet people and, you know, Nicola and I, we are ladies of a certain age and a fabulous age, I might say, actually. And it's easy to think, I've said this before on the podcast, you know, you're Nicola Threadgold, funeral director, and that's what you've always done. But of course, that isn't what you've always done. So I think you said you've been in that business about nine and a bit years, is that right? So what did you do before that?
1: Okay. So
0: I went to college in many years and I always
1: wanted to go into art school, but then realized pretty quickly that money was maybe more of an influence to me. So I left college and I went into retail and I actually worked for H. Samuel the Jewelers for many years. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And it was at the point where Joel Ratner made that fatal mistake of saying that earrings were cheaper than a prawn sandwich. So yeah, I watched the business sort of decline so what? And then did a little bit more retail and then decided one day I used to walk past a recruitment company. It was when, sort of in the 90s, recruitment was late 80s, recruitment was really full on. Yes. Yeah. So to work there. So I walked in and I just said, um, What do you do? I, I really fancy working here. And they actually got a job there. And I worked at UK, which was one of the biggest companies at that time. It was flipping hard work. <laughs> Tried to fill, you know, fill in different roles. I absolutely loved that work. And it gave me the best skills probably in what I do now. There was a lot of working in London and a lot of training. So I'm grateful to, to Manpower for giving me lots of different skills. And I became a branch manager there. So I was overseeing the different different colleagues working on different skill sectors. I then left and had some babies. Uh-huh. So, yeah, as Sweet. we did. My two boys, and uh, whilst I was on maternity, I got a bit bored because I'm always I like to be doing things. Yeah, so I went through a teaching assistant course. Really oh wow, well, well, okay. okay. <laughs> Level two, and then realised actually that wasn't for me. to waking sort of looking after two of my own children, and then, possible the children was just not for me.
0: Yeah, Nicola, what were you thinking right there? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was my baby brother. Yeah, it was. So,
1: I did a curtain making course. I got a diploma in curtain making. And when I look back at that, I think, wow, well, that was my first little business because yeah. I am um, all my little books with the prices in and uh, what I charge people. And yeah, so I, I did that for a, a couple of years. Um, and then the boys went to school and it was like, well, what shall I do now? So, I'm curtain making, I didn't want to do it full time. Right. So, in the local paper, there came a job which I Really, sort of thought, yeah, that's for me, and it was working at the local crematorium. Ah. And so it was part time. So I decided to see if I would get that role, and I did. And I found that job to be really fulfilling, and I guess that was the first taste of being sort of in sort of the funeral industry ah. and dealing with families at the lowest end, helping them, supporting them. Yeah, I mean, that was a it was a lovely job in terms of. That side of things, yeah. Oh. Um, it's, that's, you know, when I met, you know, after a few years, that was how I met my husband to be, you know. Yeah. He was a funeral director.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really fulfilling role that was. Yeah. And was it from that job that you went from that job into into the funeral directors that you're in now or did you do anything in between that?
1: No. So what happened was I was working at the council and I'd had a couple of years there. And yeah. we decided to set up our own business. But the idea was I would stay at the yeah. council because we didn't know if it was going to take off completely. Yeah, so I said, Oh well I'll stay working for you. And obviously, you know, we'd settled the, the funeral home together, but Jason was sort of working on his own. But in a, before we opened, we actually got Arthur's family who said, Well, we definitely want to use you. I mean, Jason had been funeral director for many years in the community, oh. so People were excited that we were opening, but he rang me sort of two weeks in that we'd sort of great the funeral home and he said, if you don't come and work here now, we're going to have to get somebody else yeah. because he's getting too busy for me to do it on my own. Yeah. So yeah. So I decided to have a notice in. yeah, the rest is history, I guess, as you said.
0: Wow. It, it, yeah. And I, I love that story from the whole, well, one of the things I wrote down was I saw an advert in the local paper. Does that even happen anymore? Sure. I mean, like, Five. well, no. I mean, I remember looking for all of my jobs in the. I think it was a Thursday night, wasn't it? That was the job night in the paper, and you would be, you know, like tens of pages of jobs and really small print and go through and everything. So, yeah, that was the the one thing that I wrote down about that, and then I wondered about if you had um, met your husband there. So, you mentioned there that you'd had a couple of tough years. Do you want to expand on that a little bit?
1: Sure. So, yeah. So I went to work at the crematorium, and all was lovely. And I was married at that point to my boy's father. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, that marriage came to an end. But at the same time, my sort of immediate boss at the crematorium started to bully me, Mm -hmm. and this got pretty serious. I lost a lot of weight. I didn't really want to go into work some of the horrible things that he said to me it really got into my insert. i became quite depressed and it was just a really horrible time i did seek help from my colleagues and i've always been very good at if i've ever been in a situation i write things down so mm. i full catalog from when it started writes room, and it did end up going to a tribunal mm. but it was Probably one of the worst times in my life, to be honest. Wow. Um, when you're questioned by other people within, sort of within the council, I was feel to, to be made really small. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just a really sad time, and and it affected me for many years afterwards as well. It's not just not the sort of thing that goes away. I felt I would lost a lot of confidence. I could, you know, sometimes I just like to crawl into a shell. You know, it it did it really affected me. I had to have counselling afterwards. Yeah, so not a good time. But so, yeah, so I think for me, certainly, you know, the team that we have, I'm very careful that we have a fabulous culture within our team. I won't here to anybody. Um, I like every, I mean, everybody's fabulous anyway. We're even such a close knit team within our our own team. It's just really important to me that people enjoy coming to work. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and can completely get through. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, actually back to the beginning and talking about recruitment and how you look after your people, That that's quite evident. And I feel I must just say here now to the listeners, I haven't stumbled along in that conversation with you. In fact, the first time I met you, you were practicing a keynote to deliver that story for the first time, weren't you? And you were us all away. Um, Having said, I've never spoken publicly before and I'm going to be delivering this talk in a few days, can I run it by you? And we were all, you know, open mouth. so thank you for sharing that with us. I think one of the things that I want to say here is, particularly with women, I find that, you know, I know this this isn't visual, but Nicola is a kick-ass businesswoman. And, you know, we'll give you all her contact details in the podcast. But if you follow her on LinkedIn, you'll see, you know, she's very glam. She's here there and everywhere doing it. And like I said, she's multi award winning. And I think this is the misconception, isn't it? That, you know, people like us can't be bullied or can't be coerced or, you know, in a coercive controlling relationship or anything like that. And actually it can happen to anyone. And it's not always easy to speak out. And I just wondered if you'd mind sharing, how was that, you knew because there must have been a decision of, I can either kind of put up and shut up or just find another job, or I can make the complaint and go along with the tribunals, which are not easy either. And I just wondered, you know, what was your thought process then from a point of view of what is your advice to someone who finds themselves in that position?
1: I think for me, it was having knowledge that my colleagues had witnessed a lot of what was going on. Mm-hmm. I knew I had their support. And I think I just thought, if I don't do something about this, it's not going to stop. And I must be creating, you know, a bit of a sh- sh- shivering violent, violent. Yeah. And I thought, this is not me. So it was actually thinking to myself, if I don't do something about this, I don't know how is this going to end? Yeah. So, and I think I'm the sort of person I do push when I believe in something. Yeah. And will really push myself. And so, yeah. It, for me, it was about actually. I'm not putting up with this anymore. This is, mm. this is why I don't want to come to work feeling like this anymore. Yeah. I need people to understand what this person is like, and that he shouldn't be here.
0: Yeah. Because most likely they'll just go on to to do it again. If you had just have slunk off which actually is you know is fine and sometimes we just have to protect ourselves then the likelihood is that you know it would have occurred again for somebody else down the line and you'd like to think that that person thinks twice before doing anything like that again so yeah and the great news is that you know you've got your happy ending if you will you're in something that you absolutely love Working with your husband, it's all rosy, although, you know, as we know, business does have its challenges. Something just came into my mind now, actually. I hadn't written this down, but what was it like in COVID times for your business?
1: Okay, so, I mean, in COVID times, I think there's a lot of thought people thought, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, we got a lot of people say, oh, you're okay. You'll be okay. You know, Kareem was really busy. We did not see a big rise in numbers. Oh. For us I think it was more We realised that People were Probably going to Pass away anyway From other Yeah illnesses that they had So it wasn't really All about COVID for us uh-huh. It was very much As a team I found it really difficult I remember one day Because Because I mean we haven't Got any embodied, But they weren't very Sort of Quick with information For us So we were very much In a position Where it was like Well this is coming online now. now. What do we do? So we decided in to involve the team, and we had lots of team meetings and said to them, "Yes, Jason. Now we could make the decisions, but actually, we want to hear what you think as well, what you're comfortable with." So we did a lot of things together. We have a strategy plan because we had a We had two offices at that two funeral homes at that point, so we had the strategy in place in case somebody got it. and We had to split into teams. I think for us, I mean. The, the hardest things was, I mean, we're very much on with getting the PPA hmm. and, well, and things like that, so we we're totally equipped and ready. I think the hardest things, you know, when we we not seeing people and families coming into the office and all of, it, all of a sudden people were saying, well, coming arrange and thing where I've been
0: yeah. So we weren't
1: seeing as many people and not having that contact with people. Oh. it hard. And I think we all found it hard because it was kept saying, now looking at meetings. How can we put across that we care for these families when we don't see them? Yeah, that, that was the hardest thing. I think conveying you still wanted to support. Yeah, what, how we could go about that.
0: Yeah, and I guess and sorry. To interrupt, the di- the difficulty we when it was the reduced numbers. You know, and I know a, a close people, close friends of mine who lost people, and their funerals were so much reduced. Yeah. And, you know, I remember thinking, well, well. in fact, my well ex-mother-in-law, but she died just before COVID. And that was quite a big funeral because, you know, she was a teacher. She was well-loved. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, just six weeks later, it would have been so, so different. And my heart breaks for people who had to go through that in that period of time. And I guess, you know, like you were saying there, how can we just get our all- metaphorical arms around these people just to show them that someone is still there that really cares?
1: And, you know, we saw some families who, you know, were ripped apart by the fact that they were big families. And in our area, you know, at one point, you could only have 10 people attend a funeral at a crematorium. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got a big family, it's how do you decide, yeah. you know, can kind attend. Of and that was really heartbreaking for families. Yeah. But it was at that point, because we sort of thought, how can we sort of engage with our community? That's when we set up our Facebook. I've not had a place. We wasn't sure whether it was something people would engage in. Yeah, uh, Facebook has been amazing. Um, yeah. we've got lots of followers. Yeah, try and put random things on. It's not. Yeah. And um, um, so, yeah, Facebook certainly helps us through the
0: Brilliant. So, I'd like to kind of bring it not back, not back up, but like full circle, yeah. if you like. So, you said at the beginning when you came on, you know, your vibe was at a nine out of ten today. I'm sure there must be some days, you know, if you're dealing with a particular group of people, you know, it, it's hard to not catch feelings, as I would say, you know, when you're surrounded by what can be a very, very sad time for most people. How do you keep your bike high as such? What, what are your kind of strategies for lifting yourself if you do find yourself getting a little bit down?
1: Okay, I think, there's different ways, and, and again, as a team, really. Um, because we're close, we support each other. Mm-hmm. There's always plenty of cake going on in the office and things like.
0: I oh, definitely should work. Be my luck, Kate.
1: I think as well. You know, it's talking about things. You know, mm. we're at home, Jason. I'll talk about it. If we're in the office. We do. You know, there's certainly a, a different bag So you know, you get that phone call that my mum's passed away and she's 80. Yeah. Well, and you sort there is sort of an acceptance of that, although yeah. it, it's very sorrowful because someone's lost yeah. a loved one. But then when you get that film call that my son's died and he's committed suicide, yeah. that's so different. You know, the vibe in the office it it's a lot lower. Well, you know, not- everybody in the team is starting to we talk about it. We talk about when the parents come in, so we can sort of And as much as we can to deal emotionally with things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know that. Everybody's got that support system. It's very important, but we all have a good sense of humor as well. And that, that's not at the expense of any family or a decent person. Um, but you know, we can see the honey side in things sometimes and, you know, we we can have a good laugh as well. And, uh, um, we try to, to go out as a team, you know, if we go to a new awards, we try and take the team with us or any Mm events.
0: Um, so we can all party well as well. Nice. Excellent. So I think we know what's next for you business-wise. Getting three new branches on board is going to keep you quite busy. What about in your personal life? You said you always try and set some personal goals. What kind of things are you, would you like to get done or what are you working towards at the moment?
1: Okay, so at the moment we're working towards our health.
0: Okay. We're trying to do more
1: physically. Just bought mountain bikes. So oh, okay. It. Yeah, I used to do it many years ago and loved it. So I'm trying to get back into that. What else are we doing, personally? I love reading. I'm out of a business book club, so I, I love reading anyway. So I love learning. I've always tried <laughs> like to find different things in the community through networking, with a lot of So, yeah, I've just, just been on holiday because we realised that we've got a few, full few months coming up now. So, you know, in terms of that, we like eating out, you know, do normal things like that. Nothing else planned? until we get these other people you know, up and running, really. And are you going to ride your mountain bikes locally? Well, we're not at the moment, because, yeah. I, like I said, I prefer if we went further away, because we are not in the community, because, yeah. you know, I'm still getting into it to make a fool of myself at the moment. So I've been to the Peak District, and we're going out sort of that way, hiking um, at the moment. When I want to get a bit more confident, probably on my own
0: Listen, you can't do any worse than me. I once fell off my mountain bike when I wasn't even riding it. I was literally, it had been gone off the back of the car for me, given to me. I had, you know, straddled it. So I had it like between my legs with my feet on the floor, Nicola. And suddenly I was on the floor with the bike on top of me. So all I can say is good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, I won't be riding a mountain bike anytime soon. That's, that's how it's up. something me, but, so mm-hmm. me, I'm, to me. I, I'm one of these people I'm going to do something I go and get all the gear and I remember getting all the gear and standing in the shop and saying oh my god I look like a 12 year old boy about to go to football practice mm-hmm. there's a business nice cycling for mm-hmm. women yeah yeah so it's like pretty it. ugly pretty ugly okay that, well thank you for everything you've shared with us so I normally finish off the podcast with the the last word and it's interesting because I always pick these beforehand, but I've obviously picked two really good ones. So you mentioned books there. So I was going to say, what was the last great book that you read?
1: Oh, gosh. I read lots of books. And I guess the one that sort of inspires me the most and I keep telling people to read is by Stephen Covey, and it's called Trust and Inspire. And that is oh, okay. A- I've uh, not heard of that. I'm going to write that down, okay? You mentioned earlier about trusting and Inspire in the team. It's uh-huh. in- this book and then that's that to good
0: brilliant and i'll pop a link to that in the show notes as well and then the, i'm loving this one so you said you can all party so my question was when was the last time that like, you went out dancing
1: oh well, now then i would
0: say when we all went
1: would have been at our local hospice ball okay. which was it was last october time we had a fantastic time we always try and attend the hospice ball as a team because it is obviously raising money yeah um, we weren't really close with three hospice so yeah it was then we had a great time as we always do
0: yeah. fabulous yes. fabulous so where's the best place for our listeners to connect with you and we'll put all these in the show notes too um, i would say mostly it's linkedin okay.
1: where i tend to sort of most of my posts yeah. I say have a look on our facebook that isn't very much a joint thing yeah. Well, if you want to connect with just me, then I'm definitely LinkedIn is the
0: best place. Nickel, three or nickel with a H. Yes. I have to say Nichola when I'm writing it down. I know a couple of Nicholas actually. And now, and this thing, I'm like, oh, I know some Nicholas. Now I need to check if they're a Nick or a Nick It's complicated every day. Lovely. Well, thank you for your. Great shares on the podcast today, Nicola. I'll be back next week with a new episode. And in the meantime, remember to keep those vibes high. Thank you for listening to the High Vibe Tribe podcast with me, Dawn Owen. I'd love to know what your number one takeaway was from this episode. Feel free to screenshot the episode and tag me in on social media. And if you know someone who would enjoy it too, then don't keep it to yourself. Share the vibes. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified as soon as the next episode drops. If you're not already a part of the High Vibe Tribe community over on Facebook, then come and join us there. The link is in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep those vibes high.